So you can turn in your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 12. And last week we talked about uh, throwing off everything that hinders us. And this week uh, we're going to talk about right after that in Hebrews 12:1, throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us. And I love this illustration um, because, um, you know, I think everybody kind of felt that. Um, can you imagine being chased uh, by something? Um, and then you just are hung up in this uh, spider web, you know, and it's just sticking to you and you can't get free from it. Um, I really appreciate David sharing what he did at the welcome at the end of the communion um, because um, I, I do um, think that there are many of us in here right now. Um, and if we could go back to that picture of Frodo, you know, if I went back to that of him up there. That you're thinking in your mind, that's my spiritual life. Like that's where I feel like I am, like just tangled up. Like I try to run and I try to do the right thing and I try to act. Like David said, I try to act the right way. And you know what's funny? The more you try to act like a Christian, the more tangled up life becomes. Uh, because then we have to start hiding things and we can't be genuine and we can't be who we need to be. All right, and so if you're in Hebrews chapter 12, I want us to start, and I want us to just read that uh, section uh, right there. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, you guys remember, uh, context is everything uh, when we read the Bible. It's so important to read the Bible uh, as a whole because, as we said uh, last week, there weren't any chapters. Like, when you look at your Bible, it wasn't written in chapters, or in verses, or any of those things. It was written, um, so the letter, this letter to the Hebrews was just, it was written out. There wasn't chapter 10, and chapter 11, and chapter 12. It was just written. It was just one long thing. And what we looked at last week um, was the entirety of chapter 11. And the first three verses of chapter 12 are actually the writer's way of having us look back at, remember, we looked at Habakkuk chapter 2 last week. All right, and, and we have to understand this. Um, and then in Hebrews 12, here's, here's one of the things that's really important. Therefore, since we're surrounded, I want you to think about that. Like, this is reality what the Bible's talking about, okay? It's, it's interesting. The Bible does not attempt to prove God, the Bible assumes God. All right, there's not a proof. It's not like, let me prove to you this is real. It's the starting point is this is real. And therefore, since we're surrounded, I want you to think about that right now. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I know oftentimes, you know, we're in a series right now. We're in our fall series called Run the Race, okay? And on Wednesday nights, we're talking about the human race is what Jacob talked about. We're talking about racism and different things like that. And on Sundays, we're talking about running the race. Amen. And everyone here, whether you are like, I hate Christianity or you are wholeheartedly following Jesus, you are in a race. There will be a finish line one day, all right? There will be a prize. Uh, that we're in a race, and sometimes what we do as Christians, and, and, and I'm the worst offender at this, is, is preachers, the people that do what I do sometimes, is we try to take the Bible sometimes, and in most cases, I would say in almost every case, in a really good-hearted way, we want to, how can I inspire people? And so in doing that, sometimes it's, it's kind of easy to take the Bible and make it say something that maybe it isn't really saying. 
but it's going to mean something really awesome. Okay, this is one of those passages. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I'm just going to share, I've preached it this way before. You know, we lived in Tallahassee, and so working at Florida State University is very similar to Clemson University. You have a great football team. We just came out of a game yesterday, and you saw all those thousands of people. And what we do as preachers sometimes, we read verse 1, and we say, this is what Christianity is like. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's like we're running into a stadium, and everyone's cheering for us. And everybody is like, you do it, man, and it gets us all fired up. Except that's not really what the Bible says. And it may get you fired up, but you got fired up over the wrong thing. Okay? What he's saying, what the writer's saying is, since we're surrounded by martyrs, okay, since we're surrounded, like, like if you have any doubt in your mind of whether you're doing the right thing, and believe me, the recipients of this letter were not sure they were doing the right thing. They were older Christians. You know, and I know sometimes even the messages you hear here, I think sometimes some of the older folks, the older married folks will think, boy, that message was for the campus students. All right. But the thing about it is this letter right here was written to people who had been Christians for quite a while. All right. And they weren't sure if they were doing the right thing. In fact, they felt like maybe we should go back to Judaism. Maybe we should abandon Jesus. All right. And so the writer of Hebrews says, hold up a minute. If you have any doubt, the people that came before you, they may have struggled with it, but they died for what you're doing right now. They laid down their lives actually like they were tortured and stoned and torn too. They went through enormous persecution because they knew what we're being called to do was the only thing that mattered on this planet. All right. That's what that means. That doesn't mean us like parading around like we're the Heisman Trophy winner. What everybody cheers us. I know in America we would love the church to be that way. Like where the church just cheers us. Right. Why aren't you like cheering me more? You'll make me so much more faithful. I mean, really, the opposite's true. Right. Um, the, the more it's about me, the more entangled I get. Okay. Um, and so he says this. And so. Um, why this is important um, is because if we forget that there are folks in, in, that, that came before us that died, then this is just going to be kind of a, we, we hope to do better. It's not the biggest deal if we don't do better. And who knows? I mean, people are questioning Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But in our minds, we've got to know people are dying, have died, will continue to die for this. Like, is no question whatsoever. It's interesting, this quote right here, because um, we're talking about, you know, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And we talked about that last week, that we throw off everything that hinders. And again, well, I, hopefully we paid attention to the idea of that word hinder doesn't mean like baggage we're hanging on to and all of this kind of stuff what it means is our ego and our pride and our self-dependence and they're like throw that junk off all right because you're running a race and if you don't throw that off and now i will tell you if you think that's easy there is one person every one of us will fight for in this world and we will fight and we will Fight and we will get angry. It's when we are attacked. When myself, 
when, when my lordship gets attacked. And I think sometimes as Christians, we're just like, amen, throw off that pride and throw off that ego and it's no big deal. And I'm like, hold up a minute. Uh, that's a fight. Like we will fight against that. And he said, throw off everything that hinders you. And if there hadn't been a battle, I'm not sure if you've actually done that yet. All right, don't, it's not okay to just be in here and just nod your head. Yeah, okay, I got that. I'm a Christian. I come here. It's easy for me. No, no, no. All right, this is a battle. All right, and the sin that so easily entangles. And it's interesting about that word sin. Uh, this guy, Jerry Bridges here, he says the very word sin, which seems to have disappeared, was once a proud word. It was a strong word, an ominous and serious word. But the word went away. It's almost disappeared. The word along with the notion. How come? Why? Doesn't anyone sin anymore? Doesn't anyone believe in sin? Our world has almost, this word has become so archaic. Except in the Bible, it isn't archaic. In the Bible, it's exactly what God says. Sin is rebellion against God. And I wonder if we've stopped using that word. I wonder if when the last time we've said, listen, I've sinned. But it seems like it's disappeared. Like we don't want to look at things that make us feel not great about ourselves. All right. This isn't like getting a trophy for being a good person. This is really looking going, hold on a minute. What does sin look like? Because we're told in Hebrews 12, throw off. The sin that's so easily entangling. We're running the race, and I fear this happens, and I've felt this, where you're running, and you just are tired as a Christian and fatigued, and you feel like, man, if I could just get more sleep, if I could just have a vacation, if I can just, and we look for worldly ways to, like, refresh us. Only we're kind of like Frodo, all up in the spider webs, and we're so tired because we're running tangled up. Yeah. All right? And we're just hoping that the, a vacation will make it all right, or a good night's sleep will make it okay. And those things never work out. Have you ever thought about that? And you finally get a day or two or three of good sleep, and you realize I'm still the same way spiritually. And, and some of us, you've, you've grown up, and you have grown up with the best intentions. You've grown up going to church. You've grown up listening to mom and dad tell you what's right and what's wrong and what's sinful and what's not sinful. And you've done really great trying to do those things. Except even now, as you listen to this, this is almost foreign to you. Like this idea of going, whoa, hold on. I've not, why is this such a big deal? Why is, because we are running a race. If I'm running entangled, then I'll either quit trying to do the right thing or I'll actually stay tangled and I'm going to be like, this must be normal. And I look around at my brothers and sisters tangled up and I'm like, hey, let's not tell each other we're tangled. Let's just all stay tangled. This must be what Christianity is. And I wonder how often you've gone back and actually thrown off the sin, like you've called it what it is, and thrown it off. That's entangling. Okay? We're going to look at a few of these things here, okay? I want us to think about this. Turn over to Revelation chapter 3, okay? 
This is one of those things where, where again, it can become so easy to look around and to make excuses. I think what David brought up, and, and Abby mentioned this to me in communion, and this goes hand in hand with, with what David was sharing. Um, all of life is a parable. Like everything we go through, there's a parable. There's, a, there's this idea of making a decision. There's what God is asking us to do. There's consequences to it. And if we're sensitive enough, we can pick up like what's going on in life and understand that. And then David shared this idea of, and I don't think we grasp that. He said, if we were committed to being a Christian, if we were wholehearted the way Dabo Sweeney expects the football team to be wholehearted, all right, we're kind of like, whoa, that'd be crazy if that was like that in Christianity. And I want us to stop because if Jesus was telling that parable, all right, you know what he, his next sentence would be? Is if you think you can, that, that you're okay with the football team having this, this kind of commitment and it's not okay for a Christian to live up to the standards of Jesus, he's saying there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what Jesus would say next, okay? Because that's how he ended parables. That's how he blew people away. And then he's like, and if you're just not sure, you'll be outside of the kingdom weeping and gnashing your teeth. Because it's funny, but we, maybe we've learned to deflect enough to go, oh, that was a great story, Dave. That was great. You mean if Deshaun Watson didn't come to practice? Well, of course, Dabo. But, like, if I don't show up to something, like, so what? And, and, and we've got to let that sit still and go, hold on a minute. Th that right there is damning to us. That right there. And if, if, we're, if we think that it's not the case, we're really off base here, okay? Let's look at this. Revelation 3. Because this is the thing, what entangles us? We're not going to go through everything, every single sin, okay? But you know what can entangle and does entangle and we, uh, is just being lukewarm. You know what that means? Like, I'm not hot, I'm not cold. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm excited about church, but man, I'm really excited about other things too. I'm, I'm excited about following Jesus, but I'm really excited about my dating life. I'm excited about, you know, all of this kind of stuff, but I'm really excited about what's going on on Facebook. I'm excited, like, I'm hot, I'm not hot, I'm not cold. I'm just right there in the middle. Revela Revelation 3, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. I know your deeds, that you aren't cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, okay? Now, I know at this point, this is where we chime in in all of our wisdom. We say, you know what, man? I mean, some people follow Jesus wholeheartedly, and some Christians don't follow him wholeheartedly. Like, I'm not going to take a stand. Like, like, I can't say one is right and one is wrong. It's just, it's how it is. And it's funny that Jesus doesn't have a problem taking the stand here. He says, hold on a minute. I know your deeds. You're not hot. You're not cold. He said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You go, but well, he certainly doesn't mean me. I was baptized into Jesus, right? Because the day I was baptized excluded me from Revelation 3. <laughs> Except the funny thing about it is he's talking to baptized believers. Yeah. 
That's who he's talking to. All right, so it's this idea of I don't have to be hot. I don't have to be, I, I, I'm okay being lukewarm. I'm okay like I'll be in sin one day and coming to church the next and singing songs and being in the fellowship and, and kind of doing my own thing. And I kind of, when I show up, I'll show up. But I'm not going to be wholehearted. I, we, if we aren't like letting this sink in where Jesus said, listen, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth like vomit. Okay, we've got to let that sink in because the Bible isn't just this great book of like nursery rhymes and we just hope everyone that says they're a Christian goes to heaven. Because like what David said, we are out of our minds to think that we can say we're followers of Jesus, but don't follow him. We're insane to believe that, okay? And you're going, but Keith, you're being so judgmental. No, no, no. Guys, this is what the word of God says. It's not, it isn't about my judgment. This is clearly what the Bible teaches, and I'm, I fear that lukewarmness, and you know what's crazy? Like, here's what I find in my life. When I've been lukewarm in my life, it hasn't been because I've tried to do anything bad. It's been because I've stopped paying attention. Like, all of a sudden, as I look around, I'm like, how come I'm not more, like, locked in? How come I'm not more, like, man, feeling it? Like, man, I'm, like the energy of God inside of me. And it generally is because I've got my mind on seven or eight different things that I want. Yeah. And then I just hope God just make Christianity fun and exciting for me. Except it wasn't built for that. It was built for the wholehearted. Yeah. All right. So this is what I'm telling you is if you've always thought in your life, Christianity is boring. Going to church is boring. We just kind of get through it. Here's what I'm telling you. You grab whoever you're sitting next to in church or somebody that you know and say, study the Bible with me because I've not ever learned about what Christianity is all about. Yeah. All right. Because there is a energy. There is a focus. There is a zeal. It's not about being lukewarm. It's about like, this is what I'm dying for. Amen. All right. And that's what the Christian church should look like. And that's what every Christian is told to look like. Amen. All right. Not act like. All right, not just, hey, let me make it look that way. It's like when I'm alone, when I'm in my dorm, when I'm at home with my family, whatever it is. And my fear is, is that there's like a desensitization that can happen about lukewarmness. Or we're not desensitized to it. We're ultra sensitive about everyone else who is. Like I see it in other people. I never really looked into my own life about that. But I can tell there's people that need to hear this right now, okay? Oftentimes, we say that when we're desensitized, okay? There is a starting point, and the starting point is me. We do help one another, but we've got to take the plank out of our eye, right? So we can help our brothers and sisters, all right? So here's the thing is, is tang lukewarm tangles us. Man, I'm telling you, we're going to be tired when we're lukewarm. You know what? This will entangle you. Hidden sin. Have you ever had that before? Raise your hand if you're hiding sin right now. <laughs> Darn it. Thought I, could, thought I was going to get you. <laughs> I saw Riley almost go for it. He's like, whoa. All right. We got you, man. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. I remember we, me and Abby were in a church in Thomasville, Georgia. And I remember I spent the better part of a week or two living in complete debauchery 
immorality, you name it. And, and I went to church, and I sat there, and I was hiding it. I was not going to tell anybody about it. And I felt the weight. I mean, I was, like, perspiring. I was sitting, like, oh, my, it was so, like, I'm just, but I'm hiding it. I will not tell anyone because if you tell somebody about, you know, when you aren't exactly like Jesus, they're going to probably think really poorly of you, especially in church. I mean, Christians should never do anything wrong. Right. This is the place to hide it from people right here. Right. No, I'm being facetious on that. OK, is is coming in and being vulnerable. I was like, no, 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 no. I am hiding it because I will let people down. It's embarrassing. I don't want people to see me this way. I mean, I had all of the excuses and the preacher started preaching and he said, um, listen, if you don't want to follow Jesus, these were his words. He said, you need to leave right now. And I remember thinking, he's talking to me like he means me, like he found out somehow. And we had one of those exit signs in the back of the church. Right. And he walked out of the pulpit and he starts walking. I was sitting right where Haley's sitting, like right on the edge. And I'm like, he's going to come right to me. Like he starts walking. I'm like, this I'm panicking. I'm, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. And so he walked past me and he went and he goes, Here's the door. Leave now. And I remember thinking, is he going to wait for me to go? (laughs) Like, is he not going to move until I leave this building? Okay. But the truth of the matter is, and then we used to do a thing at the end of church where you went up and asked for prayer requests. Like, like they would sing a song and you would go forward and confess your sin and then they would announce it to the church. Okay. And you guys are like, whoa, we did that for the first eight years we were Christians. Every single Sunday. And, he, and the guy preaching would keep singing until people came up. Okay? And, and I'm telling you, he started that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going up there so quickly. And I'm just like, oh, you know. And, 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 but I was convinced hidden sin destroys, entangles. Okay? If you have that right now, if it's like, no, I just go home and I'm hiding my porn addiction. I'm, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I'm, I'm hiding whatever it is, okay? The best thing you can do to get untangled is it has to come out into the light. Amen. Okay, have you ever had food poisoning before? Like real food poisoning. You don't feel better until you throw up, okay? That's the truth. If, you, if you've had it for real, you've barfed, and then you've been like, wow, I feel all better now, okay? I'm going to tell you, it's about time. You, you're thinking in your mind, I've got to barf, okay? to get real about what I'm hiding, okay? And, and so I'm just saying, these are the things that entangle us, and then there's acceptable sin, okay? It's, it's, it's all the Christians getting together, and we're all tangled up, but we're going, I don't want to say anything about that dude. He's all tangled up in the same thing I'm tangled up in. Yeah. And I don't want to say any of that. I mean, really, it comes down to worldliness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John writes, don't love the world or anything in it. And and I wonder here if there's this acceptable level of of worldliness, of what we hear, what we see, how we live life. Like there's this acceptable, like, it's not a bad sin. I mean, a bad sin is murder. A bad sin is adultery. A bad sin is, you know, really hating someone. That's a bad sin. And what I'm doing isn't bad. So... You know, 
So I don't view the body of Christ the way Jesus views the body of Christ. What's the big deal about that? So I don't think I need to be in church. So I don't think I need to, you know, be a, like in a, an accountable group of three. So I don't need to, you go, hold on a minute, man. That's, that, we can't accept sin. That entangles us. Okay? So there are these things. But here's what happens, and you're probably a lot like me, is over time, slowly but surely, we get desensitized. Okay? We see this, unfortunately, even with video games today. You know, it's where you see kids growing up, and there's a desensitization of violence. Okay, there's actually, did you know this, that the video games, the, some of the video games that we play actually are used the same format to de- desensitize soldiers for war. Right, because you can't go into war and freak out the first guy you kill. Right, you have to be desensitized to death. All right? And sometimes we watch movies and we're like, oh, that's so cool. Look at his head got blown off. I'm like, if you saw that in real life, you would freak out. That would disturb you so deeply. But unfortunately, I think we watch movies that we think that would be awesome if that happened in real life. If I saw that, if I could do that, and we've become desensitized, that's the same thing that happens with sin. We're not, we don't even realize how entangled we are because we've been desensitized, okay? So let me show you a couple things here. All right, turn over to Ezra chapter 9, okay? You may not be able to read that up there, but we'll read through this. Ezra chapter 9, so we pick this up here, and the community of Israel, the exiles, had been living in sin. They were not following Jesus. They were not following God. They were not following the commands, okay, what they were told to do. Ezra 9, verse 3, Ezra gets the the report about the people. He said, when I heard this, I tore my tunic and my cloak, and I pulled hair from my head and and, uh, and my beard, and I sat down appalled. This is how somebody's sensitive to sin. This is what happens when it becomes like real, like right in front of our face. He's like, I was so appalled, I'm like pulling my hair out. I'm pulling my beard out. This is disturbing me. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn. I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord and prayed, I am too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift my face to you. When was the last time that's happened? Where you're like, I can't, God, I can't even look up. I'm so ashamed. And this isn't if you murder or commit adultery or something like this. This is the realization that I'm not living what I've been called to live. And it's so disturbing. You know what's interesting is if we were to take just a blind poll here in this room, but this has been done as a nation. The single most like, used piece of information against Christianity, the single thing that almost everyone hates universally about Christianity is what? You say one thing and you do another. And every one of us at some point has got up on our soapbox about that. And you've gotten up and you've preached about that, okay? 
And at the same time, we've gotten off our soapbox and said, you know what, but here's an excuse of why I'm not doing that. Like, I'm okay with us not doing it. I'm not okay with people painting Christianity with that brush, though. And and we're going, "Hold, hold on a minute. Me and you could very well me be the reason, if we aren't sensitive to sin, that people go, I don't want Christianity. But again, it's so easy to get up and like preach this message. And then when we hear it, go, I don't know if I really want to do that. I want to keep calling myself a Christian, but not living it. I don't want to be serious about it. But I'm going to get up when it's time and I'm going to rail against people that that talk about the hypocrisy of Christianity. Okay. This is one of the ways. Second Corinthians seven. This is really familiar passage i think to a whole lot of us it says see what this godly sorrow has produced paul wrote before and he said there's two kinds of sorrow there's godly sorrow and worldly sorrow worldly sorrow is like we're familiar with that because we're sorry because we got caught like i wasn't going to say anything but since you caught me i i I wasn't really that convinced i needed to change i was going to keep hidden i was going to stay this way but since you caught me i'm sorry all right. He said, that's not what God wants. Godly sorrow is proactive. Godly sorrow is like, hold on. It is clear how I'm living is opposed to the Bible. I need help. I'm going to find someone. We're going to sit down. We're going to get into the Bible. Amen. All right. That's godly sorrow. And he says, this is what's produced. Godly sorrow, when I'm like, when I don't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. Like when I'm going, I don't care who knows about what I've done. I have got to be right with God. I have to be right with God. He said, that's godly sorrow. And what it produces is earnestness and eagerness and indignation and alarm, this longing, like I will not settle for anything other than getting right with God. I don't care. All right. That's what godly sorrow produces. The question is for me and you, I want you to, you can write this down in your journal When was the last time I had this? Or have we become so holy that we have stopped sinning? Have we reached that point where we have stopped? Like we are so much better than everyone else. We don't need this anymore. This was only when you were studying the Bible to become a Christian. What longing. This is, this is from the heart of somebody who's just like so sensitive to sin. Like I just want, I don't care what anyone thinks. I want to be right with God. I don't care. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. These are like radical things. He's like, this is how serious. Yeah. Sin should be dealt with, okay? This isn't just like, hey, try to be better. Golly, man, just try. No, Jesus is like, hold up a minute. If it's keeping you from, you cut it off. Amen. And then, and, and we think of some things where you're like, but I could never really cut off certain things. Like, like for instance, you may go to work and, and you may be on the verge of an affair with somebody in your office. You may go to work and you are 
whatever. You are cheating. You are breaking the law. You are doing something like that. And you would think, I certainly couldn't quit my job. My family couldn't live. Jesus would say, quit your job. We're going, hold up, man. I can't get on the internet without serving porn. Don't ever get back on the internet again. You know what? I guarantee you, if you never went back on the internet, you would never look at internet pornography. Amen. That's a hundred percent chance. It's kind of like the guy that steals. He's like, every time I walk into the marketplace, I steal the, you know, almond joys. Well, if you cut your hand off, you cannot pick up the almond joy. You may want to with all your heart, but you're like, stump. I cannot do it. Okay. But I wonder, we stop short because Keith, you don't understand. You have to have the internet. No, you don't have to have the internet. But what am I going to do with school? Quit school. It's better to get to heaven without a degree than to die in your sin and not go to heaven. But but do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that to be? It's better for me to not have any money to buy food than for me to keep at my job and keep playing with sin and keep getting in there. It's better for, you know, I mean, gosh, we could do so many things, but we've got to be honest about this. Like there may be some things that have to be cut off. And you're thinking right now, there's no way I can cut that off. And I'm saying to follow Jesus, there's no way you can't cut that off. Amen. You have to cut it off, okay? You'll feel better. This is what Jesus says. This is about being sensitive. He says, man, in Acts 19, there were a number of people who practiced sorcery, and they took their scrolls and they burned them publicly. It was like 50, they were worth 50,000 drachmas. I, I, you know, I don't know what the drachma is today, necessarily. It was more money than we have. Okay, they lost it. Right, but we're going, hold on a minute. I've got to be prepared for my retirement. I've got to be prepared for, I, I need a savings account. I need all this stuff. We need to be right with God. Amen. That is untangling us. That is living in the light. We need that more than a retirement, more than a savings account, more than we need a boyfriend or a girlfriend, more than we need a college degree. That's what we need is to be right with God. Believe me, if the Bible's true, and I believe it wholeheartedly to be true, we could be in the most desperate of circumstances, and we will be so fulfilled when we're in Jesus, when we're walking in the light. This is the story. This is it right here. I think sometimes we even get kind of locked up here. I think even sometimes what entangles us is this idea of we even think of Christianity in a way of, I'll follow God as long as God agrees with me. Like that happens with us doctrinally. That happens. We're like, I'm, you know, there may be something you read in the Bible that you would go, I don't think that's true doctrinally. If the Bible says it, God's right and I'm wrong. It's okay. You can follow God in the right way by going, I don't think baptism should save you, God. But because you say it does, you win. Okay. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like, we, it's so easy for us to be like, I'll, I'll follow God in the ways that he and I agree. Instead of going, hold on a minute. If we disagree, me and God, God's right and I'm wrong. And I'm going to get to that place. Okay. So what do we need to do? Turn over to Nehemiah chapter 9. 
All right, we're going to finish two verses right here. Nehemiah, so you can go all the way back to Ezra, because Nehemiah is right after Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 9, you're like, but how do I get there? Here's what we can't do. You and I, we can't will ourselves to want it more. Like, there's no way you can go, okay, you can be disturbed that you're not where you need to be. But if you're just going to will yourself, it's going to be very frustrating, right? Nehemiah chapter 9, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their head. Those of Israelites' descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sin and the wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. Can you imagine being so disturbed that you would come and what if this whole sermon you had to stand the whole time? You'd be like, I'm finding another church. I'm not standing and listening to this. They stood for a quarter of the day. All right. At the very least, that's three hours. They stood outside for three hours while most likely they they read from the law. Most likely he just read the book of Deuteronomy out loud. Just read it. Be like, I'm not going to that church. I'm not going there. They were disturbed, and they knew there was one way to become sensitized again. We need the Word of God and large portions of it. It's not like I'm going to have a good quiet time tomorrow. It's like, I'm not kidding you. If you need to lop off six hours of your day tomorrow to fast and be in the Word and to pray and to just read and read and read and read, all right? Do that. Don't let anything get in our way if we're sitting here going, man, I'm a little desensitized and I've been all about like, you know, different things and I've got some hidden sin. I'm lukewarm and, you know, there's some acceptable sin and I I don't know, how do I get all fired up about like, you know, getting over this? Maybe it's an entire day. Maybe it's an entire weekend where it's just, it's you and the Bible and God. That's it. No Facebook. No, you know, it it was interesting. We were talking this morning about where we were on 9-11 15 years ago. And and it was funny because me and Abby actually missed early on because we were fasting from the media that month. We weren't watching TV or reading newspapers the whole month. And and the thing about that is, 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 you know, that may be something we need to do. Like you can go, what, you mean never, I mean not watch a TV show, anything at all, not to be on the internet for an entire month? Listen, I'm not kidding you. We would do those and it was, it will sensitize us again. Okay. What's a newspaper piece? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. It was so much simpler back in 2001, right? It was simpler. It really, really was. And I'm not trying to make it simple for you. I'm saying it may be a hard decision, but whatever it takes to become sensitized. And it may be, there's some of you guys in here, and I'm just, it may really be like, I need to sit down and learn the Bible from somebody. 
And here's what I'm going to tell you. Do not leave here today without making that happen. Don't do it. That's the greatest decision I think I made before I was baptized, was actually going and saying, dude, help me learn my Bible. And you know what I had to do? I had to admit that I didn't know my Bible. And that may make you feel weird and embarrassed and all that kind of stuff, but don't. Don't let that happen. Fasting, being in the Word of God, cutting it off, whatever that is, helping one another. Amen. You want to know what's really great about what they did in Nehemiah <laughs> is the community did it together is find people to do it with. Amen. Don't just do it on your own, but sit down with people in your group of three, your family group, your whatever, and, and confess and go, I just need somebody who's going to do this with me. Like, can we do this? Can we take 48 hours and just fast together and pray together? Right? What will stop that from happening? I wonder. Will it be, will we go back to the desensitization of going, no, certainly God will not expect more of us than Dabo Sweeney expects of the Clemson Tiger football team. And, and we'll just kind of, we'll be like Frodo, just all hung up. And maybe we're going to go look for other people that are just as hung up to tell us we're okay. And you want to know what? In the U.S., in the southeast of the United States, there are plenty of ways to go find those people. Yeah. Okay. That will just go, no, you're okay. Of course we're here. No, the spider will come maybe one day, but we haven't seen her in a while. But we're all like all knotted up here. Finish up in Acts chapter 3. Finish up here in Acts chapter 3. Here's what he says right here. Here's the, here's the hallmark. Here's where we know that I have repented. Like I have seen my sin, confessed my sin, agreed with God that my sin was wrong, that his prescription is right. And Luke writes, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come. That's how we know. Do you know what that feels like? I know some of you guys know what that feels like, where you have, it's been hidden or it's been not looked at or something, and you repent, and you're like, wow, it feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. And that was hard, but I feel so much better. See, repentance will refresh us when vacations won't. Repentance will refresh us when a good night's sleep won't. You can keep having bad nights of sleep and repent, and you'll be refreshed. But the ball is now in our court as we run this race. Am I going to stay entangled or am I going to throw it off the way God tells me?